So one of the, one of the aspects of, of, of walking in the miraculous is God healing His people out of love. Okay, I'm going to say this one more time. One of the aspects of walking in the supernatural is that God heals His people out of love. The reason why God heals you is because God loves you. And, and if we and explain about the love of God, listen, the, we, we can't even boast in our love for Him. But this morning we can boast in His love for us. I, I'm going to say this again. His love for us, it, there's no words that can compare to His love. Listen, I can tell, I can tell you I love you, but it, 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 it will never come to that place where God loves you. He loves you so, so much. And this is what you need to understand, that God heals out of relationship. You come in a point in your life where you walk in dominion and authority with the Lord, that God backs up what you say. Do you know why? Because you're not just any person, you're a friend of God. And He calls you friend. Come on, because you're a friend of God, God backs up whatever you say. Come on, if you believe at this side, I want you to put your hands together and clap your hands and praise Him and say, Lord, I believe that I'm a friend of God. So I'm speaking to the friends of God. Who's the, who are the friends of God in this place? Lift those hands. So, so the Bible says that Enoch walked with God and he was no more for God has taken him. And he, the book of Hebrews later on speaks again about Enoch. Now Enoch, Enoch, when the Lord took him, he was 365 years old. You also know that he's 365 days in a year. So, 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 so God loved him so much that God said, I don't want you to taste death. I would rather want to take you. I'm going to take you out of what is coming to this world. That's what God did with Enoch. Wait with me. So the Bible says his faith pleased God in such a way that he was walking with God and God took him. Walking with somebody means there's a, there's a dual walk. We walk together. We sit together. We commune together. We fellowship together. We love together. Love is always a verb. Please. Please hear me. Love is always a verb. You don't even have to tell me you love me. Your actions will tell me if you really love me. Come on, love should never be a word. If you love God, you don't have to tell people you love God. Everything that you do, your actions, tells me that you love God. Come on, the way you worship Him tells me that you love God. What you do for the kingdom tells me that you love God. Who's with me in this place? So love is what? Love is a verb. Say with me, love is a verb. And if you understand something, the Bible says God is love. So if we speak about God the Father, this morning we, I'm going to go into some revelation of God the Father. Because Jesus said something that the whole body of Christ missed most times. Jesus says, from the beginning, even up to now, my Father is healing the sick and raising the dead. This is what Jesus was saying. Many people think, when we think about the Trinity, it's, I, I've seen it, many people struggle to understand how the Trinity operates. And most people, when they think about God, they think about God the Father as a, as a Father God that's far away. And, and he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a man that, that sits on a chair and takes out his whip. And he's just waiting for you to make a mistake to whip you. And that's most people that, that think that way. And I want you to understand something. The Bible says, whatsoever we shall ask the Father in the name of Jesus, we shall receive. Who does the Bible say should we ask? We should ask the Father. Is that correct? Now, the reason why Jesus said, I want you to ask the Father. In that day, ask me nothing. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he shall do. Because Jesus tried to teach us as the body of Christ that our Father, the Father in heaven, is a relational God. He's absolutely in relationships. 
So what Jesus was saying is, he's not somebody that you don't know. He's actually a personal God. He wants you to ask him. Listen, I want to say this. I want to, with all respect, I say this towards the Father. He desires for you just to ask him. Uh, he's like, a, I can show you how good I am. I just need you to ask me. Somebody listening in this house. And, and this is what Jesus is saying. He says, if you understand who the Father really is, the Father wants to bless you. And he wants to heal you. And, and, and in actual fact, you are in covenant with the Father. Who understands this? So what Jesus is saying, he says, because of sin, there was enmity between us and the Father. He says, but don't worry. I've paid the price. I've shed my blood. And because of what I've done, I have brought peace between you and the Father. So now you can speak to the Father directly. But through Jesus. Who understands this? Why should I speak through Jesus? Obviously, because when the Father sees me, Without his son, he sees a sinner. But when I come before his throne in the name of Jesus, the blood speaks for me. Is somebody listening to me in this house? Come on, if you hear me, I want you to clap those hands and say hallelujah. But our father is the relational father. He's in relationship. Say with me, he's in relationship. Now I'm speaking to a, a group of people this morning that believe the word and nothing but the word of God. Come on, I believe that the word of God says that you are blessed beyond the curse. Who believes that, by the way? Come on, who believes that this morning I am blessed beyond the curse? If you are blessed beyond the curse, jump to your feet and say, I am blessed beyond the curse. Now I want you to, let's, get, let's, let's go to our Bibles in the book of Deuteronomy 23 verse 5. And I want you to hear me. The Bible says, nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam. I want you to pause there. Just don't take it off the screen. Balaam, who was Balaam? Balaam was a prophet. And this prophet was a wicked prophet, but he, he operated the gifts. So his word, the word that he prophesied was accurate, but his heart was far from him. Or his heart was far away from God. Is somebody listening here? So God, this is what God is saying. Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing. I'm going to say that again. The Lord your Father, your Father God, your Jehovah, has turned your curse into a blessing because the Lord your God loves you. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. This is why he says every curse, I'll turn it around and I'll bless you. Do you know why I'll do that? Because I love you. I will satisfy your years with long life. Do you know why? Because I love you. And you know the reason, the reason why many people don't get excited when you speak about this is because people lack the love of the Father. They don't understand. There's no revelation about how much he loves us. Now let's read that again. Nevertheless, the Lord your God will not listen to your enemies. Will not look at your mistakes. Will not look where you come from. Will not look at your surname. But the Lord your God will take the curse and he will reverse it. Come on, I feel it stirred in my spirit that God will take your curse and he'll put it into reverse. Come on, and he will cause the curse to become a blessing for the simple reason. Not because, not because you are good. Not because you qualify. He is over here for Dini. He says, I will do it because I love you. I want you to tell your neighbor, I'm loved by God. And because I'm loved, come on, say this, because I'm loved, the curse has no power over me. Come on, I'm blessed beyond measure. Do you believe that? I said, do you believe that? Why does God bless us? Because he loves us. 
all things works together for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. And those who love God. Why? Because he loves me. I feel stirred. I feel like prophesying in this place. This is the reason why they will, they go, angels will go before you and you will not even bump your toe against the stone. The scripture says, why? Because he loves you. This is why even when there's famine in the street, famine will not come close to your house. Why? Because he loves you. This is why when people want to see you fail, you will not fail. Do you know why? Because God loves you. Come on, I believe this with all of my heart. This is why when a doctor gives you a death sentence, where Jesus steps in and says, I am the Lord who heals you, the one who takes away all your disease. Why? Because he's a father that loves you. This morning, there's nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of the Father. He loves you too much. Come on, to slit you. My God, I, I feel a stirring in the spirit in this place. Nothing will come against you, for God loves you. Every time when Satan thinks like he's cursing you, God says, there's no way that you can curse. You can't curse what I'm about to bless. You can't kill what I have revived. Come on. And why does God do this? Because he loves you. He loves you. Say with me, he loves me. Come, say this again, he loves me. One more time. Do you really believe he loves you? Now, I want you to teach you something. We all know that John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that who believes in him should never perish but have everlasting life. And we all understand that God loves the world so much. If I, tell, if I say that God loves the world so much, let me explain to you what this means. If God, God loves you so much, let's say that again. God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son in your place. So that if you believe in him, <laughs> that you should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, something happened profoundly when Jesus came to earth. Many people say, well, isn't that a bad father? Because a father that sent his son to die on a cross for us. Please hear me. Every single beating Jesus received, the father felt. The blood that Jesus shed, if the father came in the flesh, he had the same blood. Hello. Okay, I'm going to explain this. Okay, hear me. Jesus, his real dad wasn't Joseph. Jesus didn't have the bloodline of Joseph. His DNA came directly from the father. This is why when a man dies, his body goes back into dust. When Jesus died, his body went up to heaven. Do you know why? Because his body cannot return to dust, for he didn't come from dust. His body didn't consist out of dust. His body consisted out of the word. And the, <laughs> and the word can never go back to dust. Oh, hallelujah. So when Jesus died for you on the cross, it was the Father paid the same price. Now, what I want you to hear me. Think about this, when Jesus hung on the cross, here's the cross, picture Jesus on a cross. The scripture says when Jesus hung on the cross, something happened, the whole earth turned dark. The whole earth turned dark, an earthquake came. The reason for the earthquake I'll get to now. But when Jesus died on the cross, everything became dark. Do you know why? Two reasons, two reasons why the earth became dark. First of all, the light of the world died. Secondly, this is what the father saw when he saw Jesus on the cross. Somebody listening to me. This is what he saw. But Jesus, at a point, when it started becoming dark, he cried out, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Do you know why Jesus felt that? Because this is what the Father did. He didn't look at a son dying. He looked at sons living. My God. 
Did you get that one? He didn't look upon a son dying. He turned and looked upon sons living. Jesus, the father had to make a decision. Either him or them. And he had to turn around. Because when he couldn't see him, he saw you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When he looked away from his son, he saw his sons. Ah, that's powerful. And that's the love of the Father. Come on, say with me, that's the love of the Father. Now I want to read you a passage in the book of Psalm, chapter 103. And I want you to hear me again. I want to say this. Let it sink into you. He blesses you because he loves you. He heals you because he loves you. He gives unto you because he loves you. Listen, your children doesn't always deserve that sweetie. Come on, parents, help me out. They don't always deserve it. But you give it to them because you love them. All right? When your boy is 10 years old, you don't say, hey, hey, when is the rent money coming? Cash, buddy. Come on. You wake up in the morning early to go to work and you see that little boy sleeping and you speak to yourself, yeah. Stick this lucky guy. He's sleeping and I'm working. No more. Come, 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 come. We don't do that. What do you do? When you see your children sleep, you go to work, you're excited. Because you're the one that puts food on the table and, and, and you just love to be able to provide for them. Am I speaking to the real men? Come on, you just, you just love it. Amen? Amen? And three of shots and you put a cup of coffee next to your wife's cupboard and uh, goodbye. Sleep like, like a slob, by the way. But, you know, this is just what the, a father is doing. A father doesn't look at his children playing in the mud and say, hang on, tonight you're sleeping outside. Look at you, filthy. What, did you, what do you do when you see your children playing in the mud? When they come in, you wash them. You don't say, wait, the board, listen, did you read the board outside? No dogs allowed. You don't do that. Do you do that? Thank God. I stay in Joburg. I don't know what's going on here. I, I, I. They told me when we got here, they said, before you get to Centurion, you have to have a passport with a visa. So I'm just, I'm just checking. So when, <laughs> when your children plays outside in the mud, there's no board outside that says, hey, you, you're filthy here. Stay outside. No, you get them and you love seeing them playing in the mud and you wash them. When your child runs and he falls or she falls, what do you do? Ah, and you run outside. You don't say, oh, look at all the blood. <laughs> when your children hurt, you hurt with them. Is that right? Why? It's because you love them. That's why you do it. Because you love them. All right, so let's go to the scripture. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. If you haven't noticed this, when you serve God, there's benefits. There's benefits in serving God. I said there's benefits in serving God. I said there's benefits in serving God. When you serve God, you are not moved by the normal laws of attraction and the normal laws of, nat of nature. I promise you this. You can say, this, this man is nuts. I'm teaching you, working the works of God. When you serve God, this might sound stupid to you, not to me. When you serve God, your milk will, it will hold up a little bit longer than the normal. Uh, I've seen people receiving food from us, and then we will, we will think to ourselves, we're going to serve 30 people, and then 100 people eat, and there's still more than enough. Why? Because there's benefits in serving the Lord. 
Let me tell you, there's benefits in serving the Lord. I go to bed at night with peace. The Bible says that God gives to His beloved in their sleep. The Bible even says that God does not listen to the sinner, but He listens to the righteous. Come on, when the righteous starts to pray, all of heaven stands on attention and listens. Come on, there's benefits in serving God. I want you to say these benefits. One more time, these benefits. He says, who forgives all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. Our Father is a forgiver and our Father is a healer. Who redeems your life from destruction. Every time the enemy wants to destroy you, God redeems you. I want you to high five your neighbor and say, brother or sister, God will redeem you. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Have you noticed this father is not a bad father? He says, I crown you with loving kindness. It's like a, a, a dad taking his little girl and he's just putting that crown nicely on her head. There you go, princess. This is what God is doing this morning. He is crowning you with loving kindness. Come on, His mercy is on you every morning. Every single morning. That's what our God is doing. He's giving you mercy. He who satisfies your mouth with good things. What does this mean? He gives me food to eat. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. When you belong to the Lord and you have a mindset renewal, you can be 60 years old and just be 60. (laughs) Hallelujah. You You don't have to act 60. You don't have to look 60. My God, if you're 60 years old, you buy yourself a pair of skinny jeans. And you comb your hair. And if you don't have hair, go for implants. I didn't say that. <laughs> and you think young. I said, you think young. Do your push-ups. Not like this. You go. You do, <laughs> you do, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. You do your push-ups. <laughs> Push-up, brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you're strong. Amen. You have to see how my dad works. Jeez, that guy will work any young man underneath a table. He still runs with the young. And now I say, now I'm going to dress you young. He will renew your youth. That's part of the benefits. Who who saw those abs, those uh, face abs that make people ugly? Did you see that? I had marriage counseling because of that. I told them I'm running, I'm leaving. <laughs> they didn't tell me, Lizzie's coming. <laughs> when you serve the Lord, one of the benefits is He keeps you young. He keeps your eye 2020 vision. Your eyes is like the eagle. Help me out in this place, someone. Your eyes is like the eagle. He keeps you young. Part of the benefits of serving a loving father is the father says, It's your birthday, but I'm not going to age you. I'm going to prolong your life. Come on. I'm going to prolong your life. And and, and even when you're 80 years old, you'll get out of your own bed. You'll dress yourself. Come on, you'll you'll tie your own shoelaces. I'm prophesying this to somebody in this place. This is one of the benefits of serving God, that you will lack nothing. 
Come on, He crowned you every morning. When you feel like it's a bad blue Monday, God says, hey, hey, princess, get ready. I'm about to crown you with righteousness. I'm about to restore mercy unto you for this day because I love you. And, and listen, I've, I've already sent out the angels. I want to I teach you this quickly. David said, when I go to bed, you are there. When I wake up in the morning, you are there. I, I, I promise you, this is the Father. This is the Father. The Father is like, He feels like, uh, He feels over us like a woman with a newborn baby. And, and so when you go to bed at night, it's like the angels just walking. And before you wake up, because God knows exactly what time you're going to wake up, because He's the author of time. So before you wake up, all of heaven is orchestrating a whole plan. Come get ya. Do you know who's sleeping on this bed? Today I want you to go out and make every crooked path straight. I want you, Gabriel, you better hear me. You get a legion of angels. Every curse that's coming today, you reverse it into a blessing. Nothing. If anybody touches her, they touch me. Did you hear what I'm saying? Whoever comes against this, this, this man, he's my son. So you make sure that you go out and you get everything in order. Everything's ready. So when, it, when you wake up, the Bible says, he's there. Can you hear the father? Oh, because he loves you so much. He's there when you sleep. He's there when you wake up. He's there when you sit down. He's there when you stand up. He's there when you run. Come on, he's there when you cry. The Bible says that, the God, that God is close to the broken heart, that those who trust in spirit. And many people think that it's the Holy Spirit that's close when, you, when you're broken hearted. You know, the Bible says that when you cry, your tears are counted. Why does God count your tears? He counts your tears because nothing that you cry about will be worth wasting. God will use your tears and he loves you so much that he says, I'm going to show you what I'll do with these tears. I'm going to turn it into something that will bring so much joy to your life. I will use your tears to water your dreams. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and say, Father, use my tears to water my dreams. That's just what a loving father does. So he's close to you. Did you know that the father is close to you when your heart is broken? Do you know why? Because no parent loves to see the child broken. That's a fact. When, you ha when your children are unhappy, you're happy. Amen? When your children feel sick, you feel sick. Amen. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. He redeems your life from destruction. There will be no destruction that before thee. He will bless you beyond the curse. Now I want you to hear me quickly. When a child comes to your house, your child, not any child, your child, three o'clock in the morning and knocks on your door and they wake you up and they ask you for bread, the Bible says no good parent will turn them away. When a, when a child comes to you, no good parent will, when a child asks for bread, give them a rock. The father said, the father said in his word that if, 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 if you who's not good, the Bible calls us not good, by the way, knows how to do good unto your children. How much more would the heavenly father do good unto his own? If an earthly father is being asked for a bread, he will never give the, that child a rock. I'm speaking to you when you love a child, all right? Not when you despise a child. And by the way, the heavenly father's got no stepchildren. Amen. <laughs> so the, 
earthly father gives you a rock, the, the Bible says, how much more will the, the heavenly father ask, give whatever you ask him. So in other words, if an earthly father loves you, maybe you sit here today and you do not know the love of the earthly father. I can assure you that there's a love of a heavenly father. How am I so sure about it? I can just read it in the word that the scripture says, he satisfied me with long life. The Bible says that he is slow to anger. Do you know what? Even, even when Noah came and when God said, I'm going to destruct Sodom and Gomorrah, Noah came, or, or, or Abraham came rather, and he said, he said, Lord, I don't want you to get angry for what I'm asking you now. But what if you find the righteous there? And God says, if I find a few righteous, I'll spare the whole city. And you know what Abraham was doing? Abraham was persisting. And every time when he persisted, he said, Lord, really, I don't want you to get angry now. What if there's 40? Do you still save that? Lord, there's, there's 40, I save them. So Abraham thought, hang on, I'm seeing another dimension of the father. Father, please don't get angry. What if 30 righteous is there? And God says, hang on, I'll, I'll save them. He says, hang on a bit. I'm teaching something here. I'm learning something. He's long-suffering. He's gentle. He's slow to anger. All right, Father, what if there's only five? God says, even if there's one. So here's Abraham seeing a dimension of the Father that is long-suffering. He's merciful. He's compassionate. Slow to anger. People think that God gets angry like this. He's slow to anger. For he's righteous, he's slow to anger. I'm speaking to the righteous. For the righteous, he's slow to anger. He's merciful. He's compassionate. And I'm going to try to say that again. For the, for the righteous, he's, he's loving. He crowns you with loving kindness every day. When you go to bed, when you wake up in the morning, God already knows what's coming. So when you wake up, he gives you a dosage of mercy. And that mercy sustains you throughout the whole day. So whatever comes, you've got mercy. God doesn't give you power. He knows you'll kill some people. He gives you mercy. Say mercy. So he gives you mercy to overcome any obstacle. Amen. Can I ask you to get Luke on the screen? Luke chapter 15. I'm speaking to somebody. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns your head with loving kindness. He suffers long. You know the Bible says love suffers long. Come on, love is kind. God is love. God is kind. Come on, say with me, God is kind. This is what Paul says. Paul says that love is kind. Love is not puffed up. What Paul says, God is not puffed up. God does not seek his own. Paul says, love does not seek its own. The Bible says, God is love. So God does not seek his own. His own what? His own. He, he, Jesus didn't come to earth to speak about himself. He says, I'm not here to glorify myself. I'm here to glorify my Father in heaven. Amen? So if you want to know what love is, you have to look at God. God the Father is perfect love. So Luke, Luke uh, uh, 15, I want to teach you something. And then we're going to experience something tremendously coming into this building. Who believes what I'm telling you now? I believe, I believe in the next five to ten minutes, we're going to experience a love of God that's going to start to flow through this place. The love to do what? The love of God to restore people unto himself. That I believe that every broken person this morning will experience the love of God that will bring forth healing. Come on, healing in that body. The love of God will, will, will break and destroy every, every condemnation that has ever ruled in the reign. I want to speak to, I want to, speak to a couple of people in this place that, 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 that uh, maybe, maybe 
before I'm going to touch on this subject, I want to speak to the divorcees, people that have been through a divorce, people who've got children with, with men or women, vice versa, you're not married to them, and, and, right, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Hold on to your horses, it's coming. I want to tell you today, every form of condemnation against you is being destroyed in Jesus' name. All right, uh, let's try this side. Let's try this side. Every divorcee, every person has been through a divorce and the world has labeled you as a divorcee. It's coming down. In the name of Jesus, no more will people look at you and say, oh, here comes the divorcee. No, they will look at you and say, here comes the beloved child of God. Amen. <coughs> Come on. I said, amen. And I don't care what mistakes you made in your past life. It is over. You no longer reside there. If people tell you that this is what you've done in the past, you can say, what? That never happened. Who told you that? Because the Bible says when God forgives you, He never thinks about it. It's like it never happened. So I want you to say, this is why it's your past. It never happened. Say, it never happened. Hallelujah. High five yourself, somebody in this place. And say, it never happened. It never happened. Why do I say this? I believe today the love of the Father is bringing down condemnation. Come on, He's bringing. The church world has brought so much condemnation on people. Now, 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 listen, listen, listen. We've got Satan doing that already. We need, we need the world to know that we've got a loving father that when I'm down and out, he lo his love is so great that he picks me up and he restores me to the rightful position where I've been before. This is why David says, who am I that you are mindful of me? Who am I that you think about me every single day? Am I speaking to the right crowd? I need some real people in this house this morning that will understand that He loves me. Our job is not to bring the condemnation. Our job is to preach the gospel of truth and of power. And God will do the rest. If you believe it, say hallelujah. I want to speak to you about the prodigal son. The prodigal son, it's, it's, if you think about prodigal, it's somebody that wasted their life. Now, if the real people don't close your ears. Plastic ones, close your ears quickly. Go on to Facebook or something, you don't have to listen. <laughs> but the real people, I'm speaking to prodigal people who has, has come through a waste or maybe there's some wasted years in your life. Maybe you're sitting in this building today and God is tugging on your heart for these certain things that you've been going through. And you know what? I'm here to tell you, the prodigal is coming home. So the prodigal son came to his father, before we're going to read the scripture. And he said, Dad, I want my inheritance. Now, if you don't understand this, it, it, it worked in this way. The oldest child, the oldest son received the biggest inheritance. In the, in the Jewish customs, that's how it works. So say, for instance, there's two boys. The oldest one will get two-thirds of everything the father possesses. Then the younger boy will receive the other third. And normally you receive the inheritance after somebody dies. But this boy comes to his dad. He says, listen. I know you're not dead yet. What he's actually saying is, I can't wait for you to die. Can I get my inheritance, please? Tick tock, tick tock. And his dad didn't say, no wait, I'm not yet dead. His dad wasn't even offended, you know. I remember those days that people preached and people were jumping up and says, dad convicts me. Today when you preach, people jump up and say, dad offends me. I long for the days where people jump and say, dad convicts me. Instead of that. Amen. So his father wasn't even moved. He said, I'll give you the inheritance. And this is what the Bible says. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. Let's go. 
And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. So his father made the plans and he knew exactly who's getting what. And not many days after, the youngest son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and they wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Just stop there quickly. Just go back. So he went far away, far away, far away from the father's house to do what? And this is what happens with most people when they leave church. They go far away. And when they are far away, most people leave out of rebellion. This is why this child left. It's because of rebellion. He couldn't get... He couldn't do what he was doing in his father's house. This is why he said, I have to move far away. Nobody can see me. And there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Let's go on. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. In other words, there was lack. When famine struck, he wasn't protected. And the scripture says he was in lack. He was in want. He had no money. He had no food. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed the swine, to feed the pigs. And he would, and, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with, the, with the, the food that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. He was so hungry. Imagine, he's, you know what pigs eat? They eat anything. And he said, I'm so hungry, I'll eat what the pigs are eating. And he says, nobody wanted to give me anything. So let's go on. But when he came to himself... That's powerful. When he came to himself, when he laid down the rebellion, when he laid down him, oh, his own self, the own, he denied his own self. When he came to himself, maybe he was drunk. He came to him own, his own self. And do you know what he said? How many of my father's hired servants have bread? Pause there. Be very careful how you treat people that work for you. Oh, that's, that's quiet now. Be very careful how you treat people that work for you. Very careful. The Bible says if, you, if it's in your capacity and your ability to bless them, you better bless them. So this is what this man says. He says, now, by the way, his father was rich. His father had servants. Not one or two, many servants because he says, you know what? My father's servants got bread. They eat bread. They eat nice. He says, and... Uh, so how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? It just means that this man blessed them. He didn't just give them enough. I, I, I'm here speaking to somebody. God doesn't want to give you enough. God wants to give you to the overflow. Come on, God wants to give you more than enough. This is why our father is, is Elohim. This is why our father is Jehovah Jireh, the God that gives you more than enough. Please say with me more than enough. So the Bible says that, that the servants had food to eat and to have spare. There was a, there was a savings account. Never speak to my wife about a savings account. I said to her the other day, we need to save. She rebuked me. She said, the only person saving is Jesus. Okay, but <laughs> according to this, they had to spare. They had a savings account. And, and I perish with hunger. This is what this servant is saying. He says, I'm hungry. I'm dying of hunger. But my father's servants, they eat and they have more than enough. I will arise and I will go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Number one. Let's go on. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Number two. And number three, he says, make me like one of your hired servants. Do you hear what I'm saying? Father, I have sinned against you. 
I've sinned against heaven. This is what he means. He's, Father, I've sinned against you, and I've sinned against God. He says, I'm not even worthy now to be called your son. I want you to do me a favor. Take me off the payroll and put me, make me one of, your, one of your servants, and I'll gladly do it. I was wrong. Let's go on to the next verse. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. I don't care what you've done in your life. Your father is never away. He's just waiting to see that you make a move. You know what the Bible says? Draw close to God. And he will draw even closer to you. You think that anything that you do catches God by surprise. I'm here to tell you, nothing that you have done up to this day has caught God by surprise. God knows exactly what you're doing. It's not God that's far away. It's you that's far away. So what God is doing, God is waiting. And he's observing and he's checking every single day. Because the scripture says, when the father saw the son far away, do you know what happened? Every day, the father stood on the porch and waited for his son to return. Every single day. That's what the father is doing. And when the father sees that you are ready to come back, he runs to meet you. That's called grace and mercy. That's called that you were supposed to be dead, but something shifted you out of that road. You were supposed to die, but something came in that hospital room and revived you. That's called grace. That's called mercy. His father saw him and had compassion, and he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, it, it sounds strange. He fell on his neck. He didn't break his neck. He's not dead. Yes. He fell on his neck. What it means, he grabbed him and kissed him in his neck. This dad kissed him in his neck. Kissed him all over. If you haven't read the scriptures, this man came out of a pigsty. He sat with the pigs. He said, I'm so hungry, I'd rather eat pig food. He was filthy. And his dad didn't say, hey, before you come back, you better wash yourself. No, his dad was so happy to see his son is finally coming home. <laughs> that the Bible says he couldn't wait for him to come to that porch. He ran out. And when he saw his son, he grabbed him and he started kissing him. There's nothing in this world that is greater than the blood of Jesus. No sin is higher and stronger and more powerful than that blood. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. I'm here. Vessel to Brain is here this morning to tell you, if you come back to the Father, He can restore all things unto you. And in actual fact, He'll bless you even more than the day that you walked out. You see, this will not move you until you come to the realization, I have been lost one day, but now I'm found. I've been broken and, and he restored me. Then you understand the amazing grace, how sweet the sound. You, you have to be blind. And then, then suddenly one day, there's, there's, there's some scales that falls from your face. And, and then you will, you'll be moved with what I'm telling you right now. If you, if you know the love of the Father, you'll be moved of compassion at this very moment. And, he, and, and the son said to him, now, what did the son say when he was alone? He said, I'll go back to my father and say, I've sinned against you, I've sinned against the Lord. And, and, and I'm unworthy to be called your son. And I thought I'd rather be a servant. But the scripture says the following. He says, when he saw his father, he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven. And I've sinned against you. I've, I've sinned against God. And, and he goes to the second part. He says, and, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And just as he's about to say the third thing, this happens. But the father says, hang on. He says, servants, come here. I want you to bring out the best robe that there is. I don't want you to go and wash yourself. I don't want you to go clean. He said, servants, I want you to go get the best robe. 
the best robe. And I want you to put a ring on his finger. That ring speaks about authority. How God is restoring his authority and his dominion. All right, the, the ring on the finger. And he says, I want you to put sandals on his feet. Just before the son says, I'm supposed to be called a servant. His father said, hang on, stop just there. I want you to restore my son. I don't want you to restore my, I want you to restore my son. I want you to get the best rope. You see, when, 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 the, when Satan says, you're no longer worthy, God says, I'm restoring my son. Come on, when, when, when Satan says, you're no longer part of the family, God says, I'll give you a rope of righteousness. I'll take your filthy rags, I'll remove it from your life, and I'll give you the robe of righteousness. I'll, I'll, I'll put a ring on your finger that whoever sees you will know that you're in covenant with me. I'll restore you to your rightful position. And no, I will not call you servant, I'll call you son. For when I saw Jesus on that cross, I had to make a decision, either to look to a dying son or to a living son. And I made the decision, I turned around, and I'm looking at, at living sons that's rising up and taking their positions. I love you so much that when you were a sinner, I sent my only son to die for you. So that if you believe in him, you would never perish but have everlasting life. That's a father. That's a father. Let's go on. And bring the fattest calf here. You know, the fattest calves, they were bred for one purpose. Celebration. Celebration. His father said, bring that, you know, the one that we've, and you know what? I believe this. I believe that when the son left his father's house, there was not a fattest calf. The father said to the servants, this is what we're going to do. We're going we're to make sure we've got a fattest calf because the day is coming that my son will return. I know the promise that God has given me and his promise will not delay. It shall come to pass. I'm speaking to somebody. Your children will serve the Lord. You better hear me. Your children will know God and there's nothing that hell can do against it. And I want you to hear me. You have to prepare that fatted calf. Go on, let's go, let's go a little bit further. Your parents will serve the Lord. They will not die and go to hell. They will serve the Lord. And you better get ready with that fatted calf. So for when the day is coming, you're going to celebrate. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For, my, for this, my son was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost, but he is found. And they began to be merry. Now his oldest son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and he heard dancing. Can you, can you just hear me quickly? The son was still not baking. He still smelled like a pig. And his dad said, there's no time for you to, to bath. Come in my presence. We're going to be merry. And there's a celebration. And when, the, when his oldest son was out in the field, he came and heard the music. He heard the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Did you see what the Bible, not a fatted calf, the fatted calf. So what does it mean? That the one spe specifically prepared for a day like this. I, I, I feel a celebration is coming. Oh my goodness. I, I want to tell you, get out your dancing shoes. Get the music ready. Come on, the fatted calf will, will, be, will be coming in and we'll celebrate. But he was angry and he would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you faithfully, by the way. 
I, I never transgressed your commandments at, at any time. And, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as the son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood of harlots, just pause, what did he do? He spent his father's money on harlots, prostitutes. But you killed the fatted calf for him? Now he didn't hear me. This son was a murderer, a liar, a thief, turned his back on you, spent his money on prostitutes, and yet you're celebrating him coming back. I'm here being faithful all the time. Never ever was the fatted calf sacrificed for me. Let's go on. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. I, it, it was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. I want you to just quickly hear me. What the father said to him, nothing changed. Two-thirds of what's mine is still yours. Your, your brother has spent his livelihood on harlots, and you'll never be able to get that back that money. But he's here. He's back. And many people think, and this is what I want you to get to. Many people think that I'm so bad, and, and the day that I quit drinking, the day I quit my drugs, then I'll come back to my father's house. Many people feel like they're not worthy of God's love, forgiveness, and mercy. But what the father is saying, I don't want you to change anything. I don't want you to do anything. I want you just to come back, and I'll change you. Many people think that I've been away for so long that God cannot help me out. It's only God that can help you now. It's only the love of the Father that can pick you up, that take that broken pieces. Maybe you have been broken. Somebody has broken your heart and it, and it became something in you that you can't forgive. But the Father is saying this morning that if you come back, I will put a rope of righteousness on you. And why do I teach on this? Because the simple fact, it's time that the church world heal people out of relationship with the Father. When you walk in the love of the Father, people must be healed, people must be delivered. This is a father displaying something to his servants. He says, this boy was supposed to eat in between the swines. He, he looks like a swine, he acts like a fool, but my love for him is too big to let him stay there. Bring back my son. Put on a robe of righteousness. Put back that ring on his finger, the one that he lost. I'm restoring I'm speaking to somebody in this place this morning. God is about to restore you. He's about to restore what you've been through. He's about to restore that broken heart. That's what the Father is busy doing. Now, please hear me. I want to ask George to come here quickly. Come, guys, let's get ready. I want you to play in the background. Hear me. It's coming now. Next two minutes, you're going to start to feel. You're going to feel a tugging on your heart, how God starts to restore. Are you ready for this? Now, I beg of you, don't miss what I'm telling you. You sit in this place, and you say, I don't need them. You lost. And I, I've said this is the 8 o'clock morning service. People that say that hell is a fairy tale, you've got a big surprise. You've got a huge surprise. If you say that hell is a fairy tale, you've got a huge, 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 huge surprise coming. There's people today. Listen, I don't know why I say this. Somebody needs to hear this. There's a man called Oliver Green. He, stick, he, he stood next to a, a man that denied the Lord all of his life. All of his life he denied the Lord. And he was on his deathbed. And he says this man was in a coma, and the man came out of the coma, and he started shouting, they're coming for me. They're coming for me. So they said to him, he, you're on your meds. Maybe it's, 
it's the medication that's too strong. So the scriptures, uh, Oliver Green rather, he said that as the man said, they're coming for me, he, he became more loudly and he said, can't you see them? They're coming through the walls. And they, so they were looking around and they couldn't see anything and then he started shouting, he says, they're dragging me to hell. I'm burning, I'm burning. And he breathed out his lungs and he died. Because he didn't want the love of a loving father. He, he denied the grace of a loving father. The father loves you so much that nothing can separate you from the love of the father. Did you know, I want you to look you straight in the eye, no man's opinion can change the love of the father towards you. What man thinks about you is none of your business. In actual fact, let's say this this way. What man thinks about you is not your problem, it's their problem. Come and say this with me, not my problem. God loves you and there's nothing that can separate. Not even your sin can separate you from his love. He hates the sin. He doesn't like this. He doesn't love the sin. Somebody listen to me. But he loves the man. This is why the, the I want to I I read you another one. I want to read you another one. Come on, the presence of the Lord is filling this place. Psalm 8 says, who am I that you are mindful of me? Psalm 63 says, because your loving kindness is better than life. He speaks about a father. He says, your loving kindness. Do you know what the Bible says? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. This means that God is a constant God. He doesn't love you like this. He says, his love is steadfast towards me. When, when I'm good, he loves me. When I'm bad, he still loves me. Okay, he doesn't give me. Uh, doesn't matter what people, what the world, what Google says, he loves me. And his love is like this. It's unconditional. Come on, he's unconditional. He loves me at my worst. He still loves me. In the morning, when my hair is in all kinds of directions, when you ask some stink. Come on, do you see what I'm telling you? It's a constant love. And nothing can separate you. Nothing. Satan, the attacker, the accuser, goes before the Lord and says, did you see what they do? God says, hey, I love him. I love her. I love her. There's nothing you can tell me that's going to change my love towards them. Because my loving kindness is better than life. My steadfast love never ceases. My mercy. Do you see what I'm telling you? It's never come to an end. God's love is constant. People love you today, tomorrow they hate you. God says, I love you this way. But Lord, I've been bad. I still love you. Lord, I'm filthy. I still love you. Who, who, who's got a child that has, you saw the child playing outside, running, and maybe fell on their knees, and the knees are, are scratched. And you don't go out and, 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 and hit that child. No, you go and nurture. My God. Probably gripped my heart when I said that. You nurture. You run out, and you nurture. You pick up. And, and, and you know what you do? The first thing, you bring that child here. Everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. But the child is filthy, so what? It's mine. I'd rather be filthy with you. I'm not going to allow you now to be filthy without me. I'm here for you. Come on, if your child is sleeping during the night and there's fever, you, you can't even sleep. You want to be there. Come on, you want to be there. How many parents, be honest with God, how many parents in this place has asked God, Lord, rather make me feel sick. I don't want my child to be, come on, be honest. Be honest in this church. Now, do you, don't you think that your heavenly father feels this way about you? Do you feel like he likes when, you, when he sees you suffer being sick? No, he's the one that says, come here. This is the place that I've created for you. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. Hebrew men, when they were hurting, do you know what they did? They took the outer garment and they tore it into two. That was a sign that says, my heart is broken. 
When Jesus died, the veil was torn. Behind the veil, what was behind the veil? The presence of God, which means it's the heart of God. The heart of God was behind the veil. When Jesus died and the veil was torn in two, it was the Father that says, my heart is broken. My heart is broken. His heart was broken because one one son died. But his heart was in excitement because there's billions of sons rising up. He loves you tremendously. Who, who hears me in this place? He loves you so much that he says that when you're filthy and when you stink, I'll still love you. I'll still change you. Why? Because you belong to him. And nothing can take that away. Nothing can take that away. I want you to lift your hands. Lift your hands with me. In actual fact, I want you to stand to your feet, please. And I want you to do me a favor. I want you to forget the person next to you and in front of you. Forget that person. I want you to close your eyes. It's just you and the Lord. Just you and the Lord. Every hand lifted as a sign of surrender. Please just lift your hands as a sign of surrender. Every eye to be closed. I want you to hear my voice. Hear me. His love is greater than your mess. And when the love of the Father becomes a revelation, you know the Bible says you do not have because you do not ask. When you go to your father's house, you don't beg for bread. My parents get angry if I ask and I make some coffee. Don't ask, take. Your heavenly father this morning is ready to bless you beyond what you've ever imagined. And, and here's the, the fact. You don't even deserve it. The prodigal son didn't deserve it. But God's grace is bigger than what you deserve. Father, I pray as your servant right now in Jesus' name. The word says, whatsoever I shall ask in that name shall be given. I pray, not for the sake of my own faith, but the sake of your people. That they will hear that what I've said this morning comes from your throne. So I pray in the name of Jesus that your love, the love of the Father will sweep across this place. That people will experience a supernatural love. I want to ask the whole band to get up the stage for me. Come on band, come join me here. Make sure to download our Podbean. If you've been listening to our Podbeans, we want to encourage you to become a patron of our Podbean. Support us to preach this gospel to the ends of the earth. We appreciate you.